So 1 Chronicles 23 through 27 are chapters in the Bible that people talk about. You know, they begin for the first time ever to read through the Bible and oftentimes when they get to Leviticus, they say, well, what is this? And they stop. If they can get through Leviticus, then they get to First Chronicles, and some of them stop there. You gotta push through. You gotta push through. We heard uh, Pastor Brian last week tell us he sometimes reads the Bible ten times a year, and uh, which is unbelievable. Uh, it, I, I told him, I said, "You've read? I, I'm not. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know for sure, but I think you've read the Bible more than anyone on planet Earth right now." It's uh, based upon how many times he's read it, it's incredible. But um, it wasn't really until I caught through the Old Testament, and this is the second time teaching through, that I, I just really realized, wow, even these chapters that are a little bit more difficult to go through, it's, uh, there's, there's wonderful things uh, to learn here. So... Let's begin in verse 1 of second, uh, First Chronicles 23. It says, So when David was old and full of days, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. And he gathered together all the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. Now the Levites were numbered from the age of 30 years and above, and the number of individual males was 38,000. Verse 4, of these 24,000 were to look after the work of the house of the Lord, speaking of the temple, which hadn't been built yet. 6,000 were officers and judges. 4,000 were gatekeepers and 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments, which I made, said David, for giving praise. And so I, 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 uh, here you, uh, it, it says it says in verse 1, David is old and full of days, meaning he's about to die. And uh, what did we see David did when he first got on the throne of Israel? And anyone remember? What's the first? What was his first order of business? Anyone remember? Was it to retrieve the heart? Yes. Thank you, Antonio. Uh, and uh, who, by the way, has a great testimony of reading through the Bible the first time he tried. A great testimony to talk to him about it. it. It was an encouragement to me. But he, the first thing he did, we saw when he first became, and earlier on in First Chronicles, he first became king of Israel. It wasn't, okay, like, uh, who do I appoint secretary of war? Who do I appoint uh, secretary of finances? And where do I build outposts to make sure I'm defended? And what are the taxes? No, it was bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem so he could worship God. And, and so we've seen David, man, he really messed up quite bad in his life, but he was a man after God's own heart. 
And he's a, a, a man to be imitated by us. And now here at the end of his life, what is he doing? He's, it says that um, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. For, so for a while, they were co-regents, meaning there was really two kings um, at the same time because David knew he was going to die. And so um, what does he do first with his son? Again, uh, he, he, he's not saying, okay, this is what you knew. Uh, this is, this is rather, this is the last thing that he's doing. What, you know, make sure you appoint this guy, this guy, this guy, and make it, make sure that you put a certain amount of troops here in Israel, there. No, he is telling him, he's giving him instructions about how to build the temple. And because God had said, because man, David was a man of blood, he had shed a lot of blood in war. Uh, the Lord said, no, you're not going to build a temple. Your son Solomon is going to build a temple. Solomon means what? Shalom, Solomon, peace. Um, and, and so Solomon would be building the temple. So last week we went over all uh, the, uh, David w went out and, and, and it really talked about the materials that he got in order to build the cedar wood, the, the gold. Remember how much gold he had? It was scholars say it was like over a billion dollars to, to, to build the temple. Um, and it, it, it spoke of um, getting the laborers together, the labor force together. Um, so this week, um, what we're going to be doing is in chapter 23, 24, 25, and it's a miracle. It's done 26, four chapters, and I'm going to go through them um, quicker than we usually go through chapters. I'm not going to read every name. In Chronicles, there's a lot of naming of names, which really points to the historicity of the Bible. This is a history book. It's not just a bunch of fables um, made up um, about some religion. It's a, it's a history book in addition to everything else. Uh, and so he is going to, uh, what he's doing here, the Levites, they are the workers. Remember, the Levites are sons of Levi. Levi was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those 12 uh, tribes did not get an allotment of land once they came into Israel. That was the Levites. They didn't get their own allotment of land. It says of them, God was their inheritance. They were the ministry workers, the church workers, the people who instructed people about God, the people who worked um, in the tabernacle and the temple. And he's going to uh, set out for his son Solomon what these Levites would be doing. And so um, he, he, uh, they are numbered. Uh, for the purpose, now, now last week, remember, we saw David's doing a, a census where it was a big no-no. He did a census, a numbering of the people, so he could think to him, look in the mirror and say, wow, how great I am, I have this great country. Um, and, and he was punished for that. Here, it's a numbering for a specific purpose. He had to, uh, he had to uh, distribute the Levites and the priests around Israel um, in order for the, the spiritual strength of, of the kingdom. And so um, he numbers them, and uh, uh, the, the Levites were numbered. In verse 7, uh, the, the Gershonites were, were, uh, were, so the sons of Levi, 
verse 6 says, were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. So verse 7 were the Gershonites, and, and, and these are listed out there in the leaders. Verse 12, oh, go down to there, that's the sons of Kohath. These were the priests. So some of the sons of Levi were priests. So uh, uh, all priests were Levites. Not all Levites were priests. It's only the sons of um, Kohath, which included Moses and Aaron. Um, so verse 12 says the sons of Kohath, Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel, four and all. The sons of, verse 13, the sons of Amram were Aaron and Moses, and Aaron was set apart, he and his sons forever, that he should sanctify the most holy things to burn incense before the Lord, to minister to him, and to give the blessing give the blessing in his name forever. It's interesting there in verse 13. One of the uh, roles of the priest was to bless the people. Uh, you may remember in, in, in uh, Numbers uh, chapter uh, uh, 6, it says that when Aaron, the Lord spoke to Moses and commanded him, say, saying, speak to Aaron, meaning the high priest, and tell him he should bless Israel in this way. And you guys probably have heard this. The blessing was the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then it says, so they shall put my name on the children of people, the children of Israel. So that the priests actually put his name on the people by blessing them. Now, I think it's significant there that the priest, David's setting up the priest to do the same thing after he dies, dies. and it says the sons, um, the sons of Kohath will do this at the end of verse 13 to give the blessing in his name forever. But we do read in the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, it, it, um, it says in the book of Hebrews that um, um, it, it, it says this of the, the priest at the time, uh, it compared to uh, the, Jesus, the high priest. Jesus replaced the priestly class. There's no such thing as a priest anymore in the Bible. Jesus is the priest. And it says in Hebrews 7, verse 26, speaking of Jesus, for such a high priest was fitting for us. He is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the uh, heavens. Who does not need daily as those high priests in the Old Testament to offer sacrifices up first for his own sins, and then for the people. So the priests in the Old Testament, before offering up um, sacrifices for the sins of the people, they had to offer sacrifices for their own sin. Um, but then it says, but the law, verse 28, Hebrews 7, appoints as high priests men who have weakness, meaning sin. In this context, meaning sin. But the word of the oath, meaning God's oath, his promise, to send a, 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 a man, his only son, to replace the priestly class. It says in verse 28 of, of Hebrews 7, 
He comes after the law. God appoints the son who has been perfected forever. So um, all that to say this, again, in 1 Chronicles 23, David is ordering the priests and saying to the priests, you'll give the blessing in his name forever. Jesus replaced those priests and he puts the blessing on you. Jesus puts the blessing on you. In Romans chapter 8 and also in Hebrews, it says that Jesus intercedes for you, meaning he prays for you, meaning he is at the altar of God praying for you. And one of the things he does, he puts the blessing on you. He's a fulfillment of this verse here. In verse 13 of chapter 23 of Chronicles, and uh, I tell you, I'd rather have Jesus be putting the blessing on me than a man. We have what is called a better covenant. The book of Hebrews calls it a better covenant. For among many other reasons, we have Jesus putting the blessing on our life and not a man, the high priest. And so it, it continues uh, listing these uh, these Levites who were priests who would be working in the temple. Remember, the temple's not built yet, and that's what he's doing. He's setting things up. And uh, then in verse 24, it says, These were the sons of Levi by their father's house, the heads of their father's houses, as they were counted individually by the number of their names, who did work for the service of the house of the Lord from the age of 20 years and above. And so Bible scholars go, whoa, okay, pay attention here. What's going on? Because it says that the Levites who were going to help in the house of the Lord, they're 20 and above, and the law said 30 and above. And so what David, um, so, so previously in the law, you could not be a priest until you were 30 years of age. Uh, Jews, by the way, had a much higher uh, lifespan than the rest of the world. It had to do with their sanitation that they had, but also just the hand of God, the blessing of um, God on their life. Um, because you consider the rest of lifespan of the rest of the uh, world, there wouldn't have been anyone to work in the temple, because, or very few, because so few people lived over 30. But David puts it down to 20, not because the lifespan had been going on, but because the temple is like a massive operation. A massive operation. At the time of Jesus, the temple courts were like two football fields, and uh, and so he puts the um, he puts the age down to twenty years old, and then he says in verse twenty five, David. So this is David. He's he's very old. He's about to die. He says, "The Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever." And also to the Levites, they shall no longer carry the tabernacle or any of the articles of its service. If you remember from the book of Exodus that when the Israelites were delivered from slavery from Egypt, they were immediately given orders of how to build a tabernacle and with what to build a tabernacle. And the tabernacle was a tent. It was a movable tent that they moved around the wilderness for 40 years. It continued to move from place to place, although not as many times, between the time that they got into the promised land 400 years later 
and now David and Solomon who are going to make a temple Solomon's going to make a temple and the tabernacle is going to be in one place there will no longer be a need for that tent and so the idea here is in verse 26 he's saying they're no longer going to be carrying the tabernacle from place to place there's going to be a temple and the ark of the covenant is going to be there um, and and then uh, let, let's see where we should go here so verse um, 27 says, For by the last words of David, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above because their duty was to help the sons of Aaron. So the Levites, they were like deacons today in our church. Anyone who's in ministry in our church at Calvary Chapel in the city is a deacon, which is described, what a deacon is, is described in 1 Timothy chapter 3, someone who does the ministry of the Lord. It says that their duty was to help the sons of Aaron, meaning the priests. Um, just do the service of the house of the Lord, verse 28, in the courts and the chambers and the purifying of all the holy things and the work of the service of the house of the Lord, both with the showbread and the fine flour for the grain offering with the unleavened cakes and what is baked in the pan with what is mixed and with all kinds of measures and sizes. And then it says of the Levite, Levites, and this is really introduced by David. He's a man after God's own heart. We're gonna talk a lot about this tonight. And it says, and to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at evening. So David is introducing music, worship, into that they didn't have these these orders with the tabernacle going from place to place you know with with uh, whatever three million people around it traveling through the desert they didn't have uh, this this uh this this these orders at the time to, to have people levites temple or, or tabernacle workers to stand around praising the lord David is instituting it. Remember, David wrote most of the Psalms, or he wrote more Psalms than anyone. He was a musician as well as a military man. People who were Bible skeptics, I remember reading one Bible skeptic saying, there's no way David wrote the Psalms and played all the music. He was a military man. You know, hey, God does that sometimes. Uh, and he certainly did with David. Um, he was a military man of just uh, with astounding success, but he was also a, a, a boy who had been, he had been a boy who had been raised with sheep looking at night and making up and, dra and, and writing songs to the Lord, which he, um, which he sang, sings. And so he's a man after God's own heart. He's about to die. He's not telling Solomon, hey, look for your vacation go to the Dead Sea and, um, you know, you can float on the water because it's not salt. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, please, in the temple, place Levites who will sing every morning and every night. And, and so I'm just so passionate about this issue that in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, you are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is what you are called. And there should be praise in your life to the Lord. 
every morning and every evening. That's what was going on in the temple. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is no temple. You cannot travel and, and show up and, and go to a temple in Jerusalem that was demolished. Just as Jesus had predicted. It was replaced by you, the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you were just showing up on Tuesday nights or just on Sundays, and that's the only worship music that you hear, it's just a problem. God wants to be blessed by your worship of him, turning on worship songs or whatever. And Eldon sends me a worship song every other day. <laughs> I don't have to, I won't say it. I just love his heart for God. I really do. He's, he gets it. He really does. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was so deeply entrenched in late 70s rock. I didn't think it was possible to be musically inclined and be a Christian. And, and, and Stephanie and I, we got a hold of this, this, this group. It was called Acapella. And I said, that gets true. You know, all those weird electric guitars and stuff, they're obviously of Satan. I, I just got to do it on Acapella. This is my twisted way of thinking as a new Christian. And uh, and it was great. I, we, we, we opened up a world, and as I learned grace, and I learned the heart of God, then I got the stuff with the electric guitars and the, and the percussion. But, but, but uh, the, 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 the point is, God wants you to worship Him. He wants you to worship Him. And, 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 and not just on Sunday mornings and, and Wednesday nights. He's putting them there, um, the Levites, every morning and every day, and people could come there and just worship the Lord. And I, I've always just thought of that. Wouldn't the coolest thing in the world be to go back um, during the reign of, the, uh, of Solomon? And actually, and I believe it was also um, during the reign of David, even though the tabernacle, I mean, the, the temple had not been built. And just listening to Levites um, praising the Lord. So, um, in chapter 24, it's just a, it's a continuation of uh, just listing all the priests and the Levites and what their duties are in the in chapter 24 here you have the sons of Aaron now remember the sons of Aaron who who are descendants of Kohath was Levi's, Levi's um, son. Remember, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 sons of um, Jacob, and uh, in, in the one tribe, the Levites, they are dedicated to church work. Today, there is no such special family. The, it, it, you know, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters, and they're from every conceivable family. He brings in workers into the kingdom of God. Again, we have a better covenant. It's not me saying it. The book of Hebrews says it. But then, in the Old Covenant, there was just one family who could be a priest, one family who could be a church worker. And among those, there was a small percentage, the Kohathites, who were just the priests. And um, it says in verse 5, they were divided by lot. So what this is talking about is that they had a, a month per year if you were a priest, you were to go to Jerusalem. So we're, we're, remember, the Levites are they're spread out in all the twelve tribes all around Israel. They don't have any 
land themselves that was allotted to them themselves. I mean, they didn't get a portion because, again, God was their inheritance. They lived all around Israel. And one time a year, they went to Jerusalem one month and they served as priests for one month. Can you imagine the excitement of one of the kids just growing up, knowing when he gets to be 30 years old, uh, that he is going to be able to be a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. I'm not going to go through all the names, but here's a nugget for you. Verse 10, it says the seventh, the seventh, uh, was this guy, the seventh to Hakos, the eighth to Abijah. Now, if you go to the New Testament, um, to the book of Luke, you don't have to go there. But John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, uh, it says, uh, uh, rather, Zacharias. Remember, he was John the Baptist's father, and uh, it says he was of the division of Abijah. So this same guy in verse 10 of First Chronicles 24, and you remember Zacharias, what happens? He goes into the uh, Holy of Holies. He doesn't come out. Everyone says, where is the guy? It's because there was an angel in there telling him he's going to give birth to, um, uh, to a son, even though his wife was advanced in years. In rather in years, and um, and uh, he, that he was to name him John, and that was John the Baptist. But uh, they, they were divided up, and I'm sorry, it says here, um, it, it looks like there's um, 24, so it may have been just two weeks per year you were priest. But um, John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was in this eighth allotment, and, and anyway, they were divided by lot, meaning. Um, it was just decided when you would serve as priest was, de de uh, was decided by casting lots. And if you've never heard this um, verse before from uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 16.33 says what? The lot is cast into the lap. So a lot is like dice. You know, it's cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So there was no corruption. There was no, uh, you know, well, you know the high priest, so, you know, you're going to get to be in Jerusalem during uh, whatever, the coolest month of the year. No, it, there was none of that. It was divided by lot. Now, in the New Testament, because we are in a better covenant, the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and it's that way that we make decisions. We're not supposed to be dividing lots anymore. We're supposed to be seeking the Lord. Okay, Lord, who do you want? Who do you want as an elder at Calvary Chapel? Who do you want to lead worship, lead the greeters, lead, lead counting? Who do you want? And, and that is, and, and, and you know, what's the order of when do they serve this type of thing? So because we have that, we have that better covenant. But that's how they did it. They cast lots, and and uh, and according to the lots, again, verse thirty-one of chapter twenty-four, same thing. Uh, these also cast lots, just as their brothers, the sons of Aaron, did in the presence of King David. So David was there. He was looking at this whole process of um, casting lots and making sure there was order amongst the Levites when they would be serving in the temple after he died. So they did it in the presence of David, Zadok, Ahimelech, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the priests and Levites, the chief fathers did just as their younger brethren. Okay, so in chapter 
25 here. Notice it says, Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service some of the sons of Asaph, of Heman, and of Judathan, who should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. There is freedom in worship, by the way. Now, there's a whole denomination um, that does not believe, that there's actually multiple denominations that doesn't believe in in uh, string uh, in any instruments in, in they don't believe in any instruments in a church service because nowhere are they listed in the New Testament. There's more than one denomination like that. But you know, you never develop a doctrine based upon silence. And I don't think the Bible is silent about it anyway because it mentions um, instruments throughout the Old Testament. You just look at Psalm 150, instrument after instrument after instrument. And, and, and so, you know, in the early 70s, there was a great resistance to electric guitars. I mean, it, it, it was the devil's instrument. You know, again, uh, it, I can understand it. I, I get it. I, I was there myself. Um, uh, but, but there's a freedom with the Lord, with worship. And it's the beauty of the Lord. You go all around the world, people have different instruments. You play them and worship the Lord. And, and so, but here, uh, you see, uh, they are prophesying with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. And it says, and the number of the skilled men performing the service was. And so they list them all out. Now, many of you are familiar with Asaph. Asaph uh, wrote 12 songs, something like that. You're probably familiar with Psalm 73. It's the first sermon I ever gave a long, 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 long time ago. Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. And he goes on to say, until I walked into the sanctuary of the Lord. And, and so he, this guy was a songwriter just like David. And the sons of Asaph were separated by David to carry on worship after he died when Solomon built the temple, which was the sons of Heman of Judathan. There's, some, there's a Christian law group called Judathan. But interestingly, it says, who should prophesy with harp string instruments and cymbals? And so here we read that we need to take what our worship songs are very seriously. And I think there's been really healthy debate over the last 30 or 40 years about what goes into a worship song. Uh, up until the 70s, it was almost all hymns. Then 70s, and, and, and there's many people that were used, probably more than anyone else, Chuck Smith, First Calvary Chapel, with the group Maranatha, introduced praise songs, and others were used as well, but Maranatha was a huge, they're recognized as a huge, they, they introduced just praise songs and worship music. But then within 15 or 20 years, some people were like, wait a second, um, some of this stuff is really, uh, it's, I don't know that God's really blessed, we should go back to hymns, and then 
so then you get these hymns only churches which i think is a huge mistake but by and large most churches are doing both today which i think is a wonderful place to land hymns tend to talk about god which we need They're, they tend to be doctrine heavy in a good way in other words teaching about who god is praise and worship songs tend to be talking to god so hymns more talking about god praise and worship songs talking to god but it's important that we understand there's a prophetical element it says that they should prophesy with harp string instruments and symbols and so um prophecy here is being used not in the sense of predictive prophecy like predicting the future prophecy is being used here as a song with lyrics and i can i do believe it can be done even without lyrics but it is talking here if you look through the if you look through the songs throughout the songs you'll hear for example song uh, six says uh, rather, uh, yeah, Psalm 6 says to the chief musician with stringed instruments on an eight-string harp, and then it goes on, and, and obviously, and, and the psalm is written out. Same thing with Psalm 12, Psalm 33, Psalm 43. These are all, re there's all references to harps in the psalm right before it. So, but it's, 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 it's musical instruments with words that prophesy. Now, Back to the word prophesy. What in the world does that mean? It, what it means is that the Lord desires for the song to do a work in your heart where God is speaking to you where you're at. And we prayed about that before the service tonight. Just if you're in a place of depression, He'll speak joy to you. If you're in a place of sin, He'll speak conviction to you if you're in a place of great joy he'll strengthen the joy but we need to be careful what songs we're putting so i believe dan the worship leader just like the worship leaders i believe he, whoever's leading worship has to run them by dan because dan has the primary responsibility in our church of making sure okay is this really going to be a blessing to the Lord and it is a prophetical nature, meaning it's going to build the people up. So, uh, Kai, are you back there? So, what I'd like to do now, I'd like to put a, a, a couple worship songs on there, on, up on the uh, on the screen, and just give you an example of what I'm talking about. City of Light is a church that is writing some great stuff today, and um, it's just really good it, 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 they're praise and worship songs but they're really speaking prophetically and that's the beauty of a lot of the writing that they're writing so it says the song but yet not i but christ who lives in me which is is that galatians 2 20 where is that <laughs> yet not i but christ who lives in me yes i know right okay what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. So right there, right off it, there's a prophetical element in that. That's right. Everything that I have is nothing compared to the gift of Jesus Christ. And so you can be sitting in a worship 
set and you're 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 thinking whatever you know i really love that audi i just bought or whatever and then this song comes up and it's like that audi's gonna rust and burn and the only gift i care about is jesus christ see that see how when i say prophetical that's what i mean it's operating in a prophetical way there is no more for heaven now to give you're in a good place when you understand Psalm, actually, I think Psalm 73 also says this. Asaph says, who do I have in heaven and earth but for you? You're in a good place when your heart embraces that and you um, really, um, really uh, believe that. He is my joy, my righteousness, and my freedom. But we need to know that we're not righteous in ourselves. We're just not. We like to pretend we are, but we're not. Jesus is our joy, my righteousness, and my freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. And so it's, uh, that's a prophetic in nature, that song. So now I'm about to get myself into trouble. I know someone's going to be offended. And so, um, oh, you couldn't find it? I couldn't find it. Oh, so I, 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 I will, I, I, I'll just quote it by memory. So there's a song. But I'm going to give you an example of a song that we don't allow in our worship service. And I'm not picking on Hillsong, but it's a Hillsong. Hillsong has written some songs, Man of Sorrows. I don't know who wrote that song, but they were baptized in the Holy Spirit when that song, Man of Sorrows, was written. But there's another song. And yes, I know a lot of it by memory. I love the tune. I love it. I love dancing to it. <laughs> but we don't, Dan and I say absolutely not at, at a Calvary Chapel service. It's called Make Me Move. And it begins with na 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 Now right there, when you're borrowing from a song in the 70s, and I hope you don't know that song, right off the bat, something's, something's the matter. But then it says, um, uh, the, the song goes, how's it go? Every move I, no, how's it go? What's that? Is it every move I make, I make in you? That's right. Every move I make, I make in you. You make me move, Jesus. Waves of mercy, waves of grace. Everywhere I look, I see your face. Now, you may say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, you can Google the lyrics and then just ask yourself, read it, and say, is that really going to, is that prophetical in nature? Every move I make, I make in you. In you. you make me move, Jesus. I love, you know, I guess around my living room, I'm not with that one. But is that really, really a blessing to the Lord? And so, and again, I'm not picking on Hillsong, and you may completely dis disagree with me, and we can hug and have fellowship and, you know, uh, and, and that type of thing. But we take seriously, just as David did, what songs get into our worship set. And so Dan, he, he really prays about it, and he seeks the Lord about it. But um, it's an important thing. He's saying, again, he's saying, who should prophesy with harp string instruments and cymbals. And then he says in verse 1, and the number of the skilled men, 
performing their service was. And they, he lists a bunch of, of people. But then it says again in verse 7, So the number of them with their brethren who were instructed in the song of the Lord, all of who were skillful, was 280. 208, rather. 288. 288. And notice twice it says the word skillful. And so from time to time, um, we get someone who's a little confused. They don't understand why we would have a tryout for our worship team. And our answer is because it's in the Bible that we are to pick skillful people. And the reason for that is, is this. It's you don't want someone on the worship team who's not skilled being a distraction which prohibits everyone else from worshiping. Now, are they a blessing to the Lord regardless of their skill? Yes. But part of what we're doing is we want to at least try to make, um, at least try to the best of our ability to make sure there's not a lot of distractions happening during the worship service, which prevents people from worshiping the Lord. It says he appointed skillful men. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be like some incredible maestro uh, or, or, or things like that. It, it really doesn't. Um, and, and I don't want to, by the way, please, try out for the worship team. Um, if, 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 if you are a singer or a musician, go for it. We're always telling people. A tryout for the worship team. But again, David wants the worship of the Lord to be a central place in Israel, and he wants it to their eyes to be focused on him, on the Lord. And so, uh, interesting, in verse 6, it says, all these were the, under the direction of their father. So, this guy Asaph, this guy Heman, this guy Judah had a bunch of children and grandchildren, they were all under their direction. They were all under their direction. Let's go to chapter 26. We move on in chapter 26 to the Levites, the church workers, who are called gatekeepers. Gatekeepers. And so the gatekeepers were kind of like a security force in the temple. When Israel was following the Lord, there was enormous wealth in the temple and the temple courts. Remember, um, at the time of Jesus, remember his last thing he did before he left the temple? Remember, there was the, the woman who gave two mites, and what did we say that was, $2? And she put it in a treasury. There's a place to, to put money. It was a large area. There were, these guys were ushers, but they were also a security force in charge of the temple precincts. And it, it, it says, um, uh, in, in verse 12, it says, among, the, among these were the divisions of the gatekeepers, among the chief men, having duties just like their brethren to serve in the house of the Lord. Verse 13, and they cast lots for each gate the small as well as the great, according to their father's house. So again, they're casting lots. There wasn't that corruption um, that was going on. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. They were not the temple of the Holy Spirit. So they were relied on casting lots. And, you know, so you couldn't get your, get some gate that you really liked. 
or some area of the temple that you really liked because you knew the high priest. It was um, purely, it was um, uh, casting lots. And so it says that, verse 14, the lot for the east gate fell to Shalomayah, verse 15, to Obed-Edom, the south gate. Remember, Obed-Edom, the Ark of the Covenant, was actually in his house, his personal home during the reign of Saul. And Saul just forgot about it because he wasn't a good king. He was a king that they cried out for. We said, we want a king that looks like the other nations. So he got Saul, he was a horrible king, and he just put it in a guy's house. It says that Obed-Edom's house was blessed enormously while, he was, while the, the Ark of the Covenant was there. But again, again, under David, first thing David did was get that Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Verse 17, on the east were six Levites, on the north for each day, on the south um, for, for each day, and on the storehouse two by two. So there were storehouses where just um, things were kept not only in terms of money and treasury, but just things that are needed for the temple. It was just, it was, it was a very large um, area. And uh, again, verse 20 of the Levites, Ahijah was over the treasuries of the house of the Lord and over the treasuries of the dedicated things. Verse 27, some of the spoils won in battle, they dedicated to maintain the house of the Lord. So all that Samuel the seer, Saul the son of Kish, and Abner the son of Ner, and Joab the son of Zariah had dedicated, every dedicated thing was under the hand of Shalometh and his brethren. So up to this point, we saw Israel in various wars, and uh, we had seen references to them that taking just the riches that their enemies left behind and dedicating them to God, they are still around and they are dedicated to the house of the Lord. Then it says in verse um, 29 of the Israelites, Shaniah and his sons performed duties as officials and judges over Israel outside of Jerusalem. So all around Israel and Israel proper, if you will, outside of Jerusalem, there were still Levites that lived all over the place. They were judges. We saw that reference earlier, that one of their things that the Levites did, they were also judges over Israel. So if you had an issue, a, a dispute with another Jew or really anyone who lived in Israel, you would go to a Levite. But so there had to be administration. Um, and so verse 30 says of the Hebronites, Hashabiah and his brethren, 1,700 able men had the oversight of Israel on the west side of the Jordan. For all the business of the Lord and the service of the king. So remember, was it two and a half tribes or something like that? Were on the west side of the Jordan. They hadn't. They crossed over, defeated um, all the enemies of Israel. Then they went back. It's modern day Jordan. So there was Levites. Um, I think these are Levites. I'm not 100 sure. They're called the Hebronites. They are uh, in charge of just overseeing the the. Uh, Israel there. So I'm gonna we're gonna conclude right there, but you know, one of the things that we're reading here in these four chapters, there's just a lot of administration that is going on here. Specific people assigned to specific things and preparation. You know, from time to time I'll hear a pastor preach that pastors shouldn't have notes. They shouldn't use notes. And um, 
there and, and there, there, there are certain places that you go that they feel like any order is almost unspiritual. But they just don't get that from the Bible. You know, it, it's not loving or spiritual to show up Sunday morning and say, okay, uh, like who wants to do worship today? Who wants to teach Sunday school? Who wants to count money? Who wants to be the usher? There is so much administration that goes on in this church. You absolutely would not believe how much administration goes on. And I, I really think the administrators of the church and, and all the ministry leaders, they, they, there's just so much there. The danger is, particularly in America, because we have this in our blood, is to order things so much and to have so much administration, the Holy Spirit is pushed out. And so you hear that saying, if the Holy Spirit left the church in America, 90% of the churches would just, they wouldn't even notice. And so that, that, that's, that, that it is true that you don't want to do so much planning and order that the Holy Spirit doesn't have freedom to come in and do what he wants to do. But both are, both are really necessary, and it's just necessary that we are um, staying in, in, in prayer and seeking the Lord on these things.